Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. What both men stand for will never go away. The baton is being passed to people that believe to be a championship team, you have to have certain things. Accountability, mental toughness, physical toughness, the will to win, the we, not the I. That's never changing. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to an emergency pod edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we felt that this might come at some point this week. But, of course, the news early Thursday morning that the Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have mutually parted ways here after 24 seasons. We'll obviously get into all the layers here that's gone on. We have sound bites as well from Kraft and Belichick. But just when you woke up this morning and saw that news, I guess what was the first thing that kind of came to your mind here, obviously being a part of the organization as well during Bill's time there? You know, you just said sense that this was coming, right? All year, there was never any pushback that, look, you know, nobody really defended the coach. Uh, you know, even Arthur Smith got a, a, a defense mechanism put in him. Arthur Blank made a statement. So you kind of knew that there was a lot of conflict between the two. Uh, but I think they handled it really well. I think both sides were did what was in the best interest of the future of their relationship, which is really important because... They're both tied together for this historic 24-year run. And I think there's no sense in blaming one side or blaming the other. It just ran its course. And every owner has every right to run his organization the way he wants to run it. They put the money up. They, they, they paid the cash. And sometimes when you want to change the course and the direction of where you're going, there's going to be casualties. And, you know, I think Bill understood that. And so it's easy to walk away. I think clearly listening to the press conference, Bill wants to coach and he's going to coach and I'm sure he's going to get a lot of offers. Yeah, no, Bill. I mean, I feel like it was very clear that he, he made it seem like, hey, like I still got some juice left in the tank here and I still want to be a coach in the NFL. And and Robert Kraft even mentioned it as well here. Well, here's what Bill Belichick had to say at the press conference. There was no questions that were that were taken, but it was just statements that were issued by both gentlemen. We'll start here with Bill Belichick. 
it's with um, just so many fond memories and, and uh, thoughts that I you know, think about the Patriots and, and I'll always be a Patriot. I look forward to coming back here. Uh, but at this time, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to move on. And um, I look forward and excited for the future. Um, but always very, very appreciative of the opportunity here, the support here, uh, and, you know, the, what, Robert, what you've done for me. Thank you. So that is Bill in his own words saying excited for the future. But I mean, he also said that this is a day of gratitude and celebration, which I think it should be because he's not retiring. Like we're, this is not the last of Bill Belichick that we're right. going to see, even though like that's kind of the tenor of the conversation day, because a lot of people are reflecting on those 24 years. But I mean, you mentioned it, the th- member of the 300 club, 266 regular season wins in New England, 30 playoff victories, six Super Bowls, nine AFC titles, 17 AFC East titles. Like the, the, the resume speaks for itself with what he was able to accomplish there and the dynasty that they were able to build but when you hear him say looking for the future and gratitude and celebration here like when you reflect on those times it's I guess what kind of stood out to you over this 24-year run for Bill Belichick in New England well for me it was it was more than a 24-year run you know what we're going to find out here is you know they call it the Patriot way but it really was the Browns way we just didn't achieve near the amount of success he did but it's rooted in the Browns and it's interesting that two of the greatest coaches in their sport, college and professional football, both left within a 20, within an 18-hour window, yeah. and it was rooted in the Brown way. And both programs were rooted in the Brown way because that's where it all started. That's where it all began. It began there. That was the that was the think tank. That was the experimental. That's where all the ideas germinated from. And certainly they moved on and they got better ideas when Nick went to Michigan State, then to LSU, then to Miami and then to Alabama and Bill when he went to New England. And, and they kind of evolved and changed. So, you know, it was kind of interesting. But now as the Patriots move in another direction, the Patriot way is going to go to the next team. And it's going to be fascinating to see how the Patriot way manifests itself within a building when the director of the way is no longer there. And I know for experience, from experience, that it's hard to duplicate that way without the maestro, without the guy conducting the orchestra. So we shall see. And I think Bill knows that his relationship with the New England people, what, what they've accomplished is historical. But it's also, I think, that he has this energy, not because he's chasing Sula, because let's face it, Bill's, Bill loves football. He loves the process. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, he'll go fishing on a boat, but there's only so much of that he's going to do. Like, he likes working on football. He likes understanding football. He likes asking questions. You know, I mean, I, I got an email from him yesterday about football. But it had nothing to do with the situation because that's his situation, not involves me. So, but it has something to do with football. And you can't take that out of people. And it's the same thing with Pete Carroll. He, they love the game. They have energized. They want it. And they can make a difference. And they continue to. So I, I, I just think to me this is, this is kind of a, a, be, a new beginning, if you will.
And you wrote about that because that's the interesting part about this aspect because everyone talks about the Patriot way, but like you mentioned, this is something that spawned itself in Cleveland when you guys were all together with the Cleveland Browns. Saban, of course, the defensive coordinator for Belichick at the time when he was the head coach. But in football done right, in the chapter you write about the head coaches and you wrote about Bill Belichick, of course, there and your top 10 coaches. And you wrote this about the Belichickian way. You said the culture set enabled flexibility in the system and thrived on mental and physical toughness, all part of the Belichickian way. And I feel like that's kind of where this is, goes to. It's the Belichickian way moving forward. It's not the Patriot way. It's sort of the Belichickian way. But what's interesting that you said, though, uh, in talking to you here with this about over the last 10 minutes is that you mentioned that it was time and that both sides felt like it was time. But if you were to advise Robert Kraft, do you think that he's making the right decision in moving on this, even though it is time and there's no like kind of like picking sides here? But is this the right decision ultimately for the Patriots to move on from Belichick? Well, in his mind, it is. But in my mind, having experience trying to replace somebody as talented as Vrabel as Belichick, you know, it's really hard. And there's so many things that Bill did that you don't even know what he did. Like, you don't even know he did them that are going to start to come up. That these details, you know, we just did a show with Mike Palm and Mike Palm had Rohan Davey on his show, the former quarterback from LSU mm -hmm. who got drafted by the Patriots. So he played for Nick and he played for Bill. And they asked Rohan what was the similarities between them. And they said they covered every single detail. And I think he summed it up right. Both coaches had a unique attention to detail and focus. And I think when you lose somebody with like that, it's hard to replace them. They're going to need four or five people to help out to replace them. And I'm sure Bill wants the Patriots do well. But I think knowing Bill, he closes a door and another one's going to open up. And I just saw Schefter reported just recently as we started this that there's a team that still has a head coach that's interested. See, that's the real thing there. See, to me, everybody looks at this in a linear basis. Who's got job openings, but who doesn't? Like, and, and, and I hearken back to a great quote by uh, John Kennedy, the president. He says, the Chinese use two brushstrokes to write the word crisis. And teams that are in looking for their coaches are in crisis, right? They're, they, they're mm -hmm. looking. But some teams that have a head coach are in crisis. And one of the brushstrokes in crisis stands for danger. The other for opportunity. And if you have a coach that you're not sure of, or you could fire him in a year, you have to recognize the opportunity. Because I don't think there has ever been a time in professional sports where there's been so many established coaches available in the open market. Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, Count Pete Carroll. He still wants to coach. Yeah. There's four. Put Dan Quinn in there. He took a team to a Super Bowl. He's available. You could hire him. So there's a lot of good coaches. So if you're Woody Johnson and you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, it, could I improve my head coach or do I trust continuity? You answer that. I don't think, you know, I mean, how <laughs> about if you're Jacksonville? Do I trust Doug to fix the quarterback or do I hire Jim Harbaugh? See, I think there's a lot of, I don't know, that sounds malicious and I'm picking on coaches. I'm not. I think it's really a smart business idea to do. You know, mm -hmm. what could I do? To, if your job as the owner is to improve the franchise, is to build the franchise and do what's right for the franchise, then you have to ask yourself that question. You have to ask yourself that question. If you have an, am I, could I improve this franchise by, Unfortunately, removing Matt Eberflus and hiring Jim Harbaugh, I should consider that. 
And I think that's a really good way to think about it, too, from a business standpoint, because oftentimes we always talk about how teams, when they're desperate to find quarterbacks, they make some of these wrong decisions. And especially with with a head coach, like, yeah, you might have a guy who you think is solid or you think that has done enough to keep the job right now. But if you have the opportunity to hire the greatest coach of all time, like you have to kick that around. It's just similar to when Tom Brady was a free agent. It's like if you have a, the opportunity to sign Tom Brady and you have a current guy. It's like you kind of have to like think about, hey, like we should go ahead and go about this. And some teams passed on it. The Buccaneers would happen to be the beneficiary in that in that regard where get Tom Brady went ahead and won a Super Bowl for them. But I 100 percent think that you should be able to consider this thing. And maybe the team I root for is considering that as well. If things don't go well, well on Sunday. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it, and it does. You know, if you think and it just goes well, right? I mean, what you're what you're saying is we have a chance to improve the stock of our company by hiring a better CEO. That's what you're really saying. Now, mm. what you're going to have is internal fighting because people that have jobs that would be lost because of someone like this coming in are going to fight you on it. You know, they're going to fight you on it. You know, but like you take Arthur Blank. I mean, Arthur Blank, he went after Joe Gibbs. He didn't get him. He went after Parcells hard many times. He didn't get him. Now he's got a chance to go get Bill Belichick. So if you're Arthur Blank, you get your butt in an airplane, your private plane, you fly to Nantucket or wherever Bill is right now or to Jupiter, wherever he is, and you sit down and say, okay, how do we do this? How do we, me and you, how do we do this? What's this look like? Here's your chance. See, there's where crisis becomes opportunity. And if you don't take that into account, then you're not you're just thinking on a linear basis. You're not thinking the right way on how I can improve my team. Now, I mean, if I had Sean McVay, I don't have this conversation. If I got Kyle Shanahan, I'm not having this conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. If I have Kevin O'Connell, I don't think I'm having this conversation. Because I think these guys, they showed you enough to where, okay, we can get there. You know, if I had Shane Steichen, as much as I criticize him for his game management, there's a good chance he can improve. I'd be willing to risk that. But if I had a guy who coached who's 33% winning percentage and he's going into his fourth year and I don't do something, what am I telling my fan base? Now, here's the problem. If you, if you can't hire a coach if you, have, if you don't have an opening, and once you have an opening, you have to interview a vast amount, you have to cast a wide net across the board to satisfy the compliance of the minority hiring, which is understandable and important. So it's hard. You can't make that decision if you're Woody Johnson and get rid of a coach if you don't think you can get the guy. Because hmm. then what do you do? Yeah, then you're stuck. Or, or, or maybe you're the, the New Orleans Saints. And then you're Gail Benson and you're looking to maybe replace a guy. I know they've come out and said that Dennis Allen's going to come back and all that stuff. But I mean, you talk about a, an organization that could go ahead and go to that next level there. Someone like Bill Belichick might be able to help them. U ultimately, what do you think is next for him? Just because, I mean, Atlanta has been kicked around the chargers. We've kind of bandied that around, but I don't know if they would go down that path. They have an opening. Uh, I mean, I, I just asked you about the Cowboys. Maybe, could the Buffalo bills, if they don't win on Sunday, could that be something where they go down I, that path there with Sean McDermott? Cause like, I mean, it feels like they have to go on a run for him to keep his job. Well, I, I, I've been saying this for a while. I, I think to me, you know, if you're a true, true business owner and you want to improve your team, you're going to ask that question no matter where you are. So I think you have to be really you can't rule anyone out. I mean, you could rule out teams that have success. Mike, Pittsburgh, I got Mike Tomlin. I'm yeah. more OK. Yeah, Baltimore's you know, OK. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Baltimore's OK. There's, yeah. you know. 
but where am I not? Andy, Kansas City's okay. Yeah. Denver's okay. So, like, when just put those over there, and then you have, like, who are the seven who are going to get fired next year if they don't win? Because mm. we know there's going to be six or seven. Those are the ones we should be talking about. Jacksonville, if, if, if Doug doesn't win next year, he's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, if McCarthy doesn't win, he's gone. If, if, if Tampa doesn't win, are they gone? Again, I'm not trying to get anybody fired. What I'm saying is if you're doing this, it's the same conversation the Bears should be having with Justin Fields as it relates to the quarterback coming out. Yeah. It's like comparing them to the alternative, and the alternative might be the greatest coach of all time. How about the commanders, though? Because there was a report that came out, I believe CBS put it out, that the commanders are not expected to pursue Bill Belichick. Like, I wonder how, where Josh Harris interprets all this stuff. I would have thought that he would have wanted to go ahead and get the big fish out there in the pond, but apparently he wants to go somewhere else. I think he wants to be – look, he's a committee team. You just look at how many people yeah. he hired to help him with the decision, you know? And, and look, let's say this to you, too. I, I think Robert Kraft said it really well in there, and it was kind of glossed over. He made a great point in his press conference where he said, I was a very young owner, and I made a lot of mistakes when I was a young owner. I should have hired Belichick when I knew he was a good coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me go through that story. Parcells is there. We get fired in Cleveland. Bill goes back to New England to be the assistant head coach, defensive coach, all that. Kraft watches this man work and really realizes this is somebody who's special. But he's getting hammered on the PR side from everybody, from every agent, Drew Bledsoe, all those. Now, you can't hire him. He's damaged good. You can't hire him. Can't hire him. He's not a good coach, blah, blah, blah. Bad PR. Look what happened in Cleveland, all that. Kraft listened. Goes to New York with Parcells. Then after two and a year years, he has the come to Jesus moment, which is truly Kraft's Hall of Fame moment. This is his Hall of Fame moment. And he decides, I'm going to hire Bill. I'm going to pay a draft pick to get him. And they're all going to make fun of me, but I'm going to be the one laughing last. That's a Hall of Fame moment. Mm. And so Josh Harris hasn't had his Hall of Fame moment. He hasn't had a moment. He thinks he's doing this like Apollo. He's going to run it like his business. Like, I'm going to get a CEO. I'm going to get a president. Somebody knows about football. They don't understand how football works. They don't understand how being on the same page and being aligned are two different things in pro football. So there lies the problem. Do you think Belichick would want to go to a team without an established quarterback? Like, d- d- does he want to grow with a new quarterback, or does he want somebody in there that's already established? The, 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 that's the, see, everybody focuses, got to go where a quarterback is. Andy Reid went to Kansas City. They didn't have a quarterback. He got Alex Smith, and he drafted Pat Mahomes. That's the least of your problems. You need a quarterback, yes. But you need an owner who's going to let you build your program. I mean, I was going back through today, I was going back through the uh, education of a coach because there's a quote in there, you know, and it referred to all of us in Cleveland. And we lived this, so we experienced it. When Belichick decided after he left Cleveland was that if he ever got a head coaching job, there would be one set of rules for everyone that would go for players who had both talent and character and the staff and everybody involved, including the owner. That is the Patriot way. Their culture matters. So whatever owner meets with them, he's either going to tell them the culture matters or it's, he's not going to listen. It has nothing to do with who's under center. It has everything to do with who can we get under center? Will you let me build my program? 
Yeah, and it's can you kind of let the the artist paint? Can can you give him the canvas to go ahead and do that, or are you going to kind of try to shoehorn him? I mean, I can see where the 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 different fits out there might not be the best one. Ultimately, because I want to kind of wrap this Belichick and New England thing as we kind of continue to look forward here. I'm sure we'll have more conversations about this going forward. Just like, what do you think, in your opinion, because this is a historian of the game, you were obviously there for a, quite a long time there and I've watched it as well as a fan of football. What do you think his finest hour was in New England? Well, there's so many of them, but I think his finest hour was 14 when he didn't call timeout. Yeah, Super Bowl 49. You know, when everybody screamed to call timeout. Belichick has truly has that unique ability to see what to see what everybody else doesn't see. He that that's where the quote comes from. The secret to all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious. The genius of Belichick is he can organize the non-obvious. Look at just you, you could all everybody can sit there and say, here's his record without Brady. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you just go scroll through Twitter and read some of the players' comments about him? Play, Richard Seymour traded him. Mm-hmm. Read him. I mean, it, you're in that program. You watch him coach, and it's not even close. If you have a grudge against him like Samuels does, go ahead and say what you want. But Pat Chung, the McCordys, all those players, Brady's, Brady's piece, the greatest coach of all time, yeah. it's a joke. His ability to focus and concentrate – on the task at hand is unparalleled. Yeah. And Tom Brady, he on an Instagram post said, I could never have been the player I was without you, Coach Belichick. I am forever grateful and I wish you the best of luck in whatever you choose next there. And that's the the, the undisputed greatest of all time quarterback talking about the undisputed greatest of all time head coach. And, and it's why it was a two decade reign for the two of them there in New England, six Super Bowls. And I mean, like the facts kind of speak for themselves. That, yeah, like, like we, we just need to ignore everyone that says the it's only Brady. Like, it's the, lazy, we, we just it's the laziest that. narrative yeah, of all time. It's the laziest narrative of all time. Yeah, we got to stop that stuff. So I, I'm fascinated to see what else comes here with Bill Belichick down the road here, who he interviews with, if that's going to be made public about all this stuff, or is it going to be something that just comes up and we find it? You're shaking your head. You think this is going to be kind of like under the surface a little bit here? I think it's going to be quick. I think teams are going to okay. want to see it. I think it's going to be based on the owner's relation, ability to communicate that he has the ability to run the program. Gotcha. Now, th- again, this is not about being power hungry. This is about allowing him to run his culture, yeah, culture not having hungry. somebody yeah. come in and say, well, I think we should do this or you shouldn't go for it on fourth down or you should do this. No, like here's what we're going. And trust me, it'll be researched. I mean, the reality of it is, is like he's in the information business. He is a a complete he wants information. Mm-hmm. So all these people that say he's not analytically in nature. no. I mean, you're, you don't understand what analytics are. What's next for the New England Patriots? Because names have been thrown That's out there. That's the hard question to answer. Yeah. Because the Patriot way needs somebody to be the conductor, somebody to be the maestro. And who can do that? Those are tough shoes to fill. It's not going to be one person. It's going to be, they're going to go out and have to find a general manager. They're going to have to go out and hire a coach. They're not going to give it to one person. I'm sure Jonathan Kraft's going to want his involvement in it because he's been waiting in the wings to take over his his team. It's his team. So it's going to be a little bit of, I think they're going to have to figure it all out as they go. But they couldn't figure it out as long as Bill was in the building because they both respected one another enough to know that if we can't take away his power, because how is that going to look? Who's going to walk into his office and tell him we're not doing this? Nobody. 
No, nobody's doing that. Uh, a couple of names that have been talked about for the New England Patriots job. I mean, Gerard Mayo, he's in-house. A lot of people have talked about his name as being a potential successor. Mike Rabel now is out there on the open market. Do they go down that road? Uh, there's other New England assistants from the past. Like, Do you think it has to be like a New England person that played and, and was, was a part of that? Or do you think that the crafts kind of look elsewhere and they look outside of what's been uh, successful in the past? I, I, I can't answer that. I think they, they know what they know what will sound right, and they know they know they think enough of Mayo that they hired him, gave him a new contract last year. Somebody, and then they sent out a press. So somebody knows something that they like about him. Yeah. And I don't think Mayo's leaving the organization. So. Yeah. Well, we'll, so we'll read into that for what it is there. So we'll continue to be tracking this, obviously, uh, as the head coaching carousel continues to spin. But we got a curveball from college football yesterday, Michael. I was not expecting this. I don't know if you were. I know you talked to a lot more people than I do. But Nick Saban, uh, he decides yeah, to retire shocker. from Alabama. An absolute shocker there. Did not see this coming. 17 years down in Tuscaloosa, six national championships. Of course, won a national championship with LSU as well before he went to the Dolphins, then to Alabama. But nine SEC titles. Why do you think he decided now was the time to walk away from the game? I can't answer that. I don't know because he was working uh, as of Monday and Tuesday. He was yeah. working. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I hope everybody's healthy in the family and all that. I hope this isn't any – this is just he got tired of it, hmm. you know, because this is a little bit – I think it caught everybody by surprise. Yeah. And and, and the, the two guys there, you have Belichick, the GOAT in NFL – Nick Saban, in my opinion, the GOAT in college football, both of them with you in Cleveland, which is kind of the crazy sort of thing. Like we're losing some of these all-time great head coaches that we've kind of known to to grow in love here as football fans and as people who just cover the sport here. And like you just look at that resume of what Saban was able to do at Alabama, taking that place and and making it the juggernaut that it was in years past there. It's it's absolutely remarkable. The guy has a statue already out there outside of Brian Denny Stadium, and maybe his name will be attached to the stadium as well going forward here because it's in terms of college football, like you can't run a program better than what he did at Alabama. Like it's like, no, it's, I, it's, it's remarkable. But I think what both men stand for will never go away. Okay. Both men stand for accountability. Both men stand for getting players to play better. Both men stand for developing coaches and players and building teams that work as one, not as I, both men stand for we both men stand for mental and physical toughness and that's not going away. So people say it's an end of an era. No, the baton is being passed to people that believe that to be a championship team, you have to have certain things that are that are cannot go away. Accountability, mental toughness, physical toughness, the will to win, the we, not the I. That's never changing. Well, also, Michael, in the NFL, we saw the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll part ways, but Carroll's going to go up and be an advisor role. Uh, how did this come to be in Seattle, and who do you ultimately think is going to go ahead and replace Carroll as the Seahawks head coach? I think it's Dan Quinn, but I always thought that Pete would retire. I mean, Pete still wants to coach. I think if somebody called Pete up and said, hey, coach, for two years, he would do it. I just think at some point when their defense didn't get better, you know, I think the owner, she wanted to make – they had the big meeting last year. They didn't make the change. And I think, you know, he's always going to be a part of that team. A 58 winning – 60% winning percentage in Seattle as a head coach. Yep. The guy's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Now, he still wants to coach. You know, would he go back to college? I doubt it. But, look, I think Pete Carroll is still a good coach. I just think, again, the course had run out on him there.
Yeah, turned 73 in September, and he's talked about how he competed for that job, but ultimately felt that the best path forward for the organization was him to go upstairs and be an advisor. As an advisor, what does he even do in that role? Because I'm not familiar with what the advisor role is. I think if Dan Quinn becomes the head coach, it really he becomes truly an advisor. But I think if he doesn't, I'm sure he just kind of watches and looks around and you know collects his check because he's going to get paid for how many more years he got left on his contract. Yeah, uh, it truly was a, a dynamo in Seattle. Someone from that area there, like this, the franchise was a laughing stock. He takes over, obviously a lot of success there. Playoff victories, division titles, Super Bowl championship, and a couple trips to the Super Bowl there. But we will obviously continue to talk about the head coaching carousel as the weeks to come. We'll recap everything Monday from Super Wildcard Weekend and preview Eagles Buccaneers as well. But just an emergency podcast edition with Carol Sabin and of course Bill Belichick with Michael. Uh, it was good doing a little emergency pod with you and have fun we'll watching the games this weekend man good luck